Okay, people, tomorrow morning, 10 a.m., Santa's coming to town. Santa! Oh, my God! Would you please tell him that instead of presents this year, I just want my family back. Rudolph, with your nose so bright, won't you guide my sleigh tonight? It must be magic. I must find some way to keep Christmas from coming. Nobody's walking out on this fun, old-fashioned family Christmas. Isn't there anyone who knows what Christmas is all about? True, Charlie Brown. I can tell you what Christmas is all about. Seeing isn't believing. Believing is seeing. Best way to spread Christmas cheer is singing loud for all to hear. Welcome back to another episode of Tis the Podcast, the podcast that is determined to keep the Christmas spirit alive all year long. I'm Tom. I'm Julia. And I'm Anthony. Y'all, I spent this last weekend really kicking off the Halloween watching. What? Okay, with what? Just all the Halloween things. Whenever it gets to 100 degrees, I'm like, okay, <laughs> I need to see that light at the end of the tunnel. And the light at the end of the tunnel really is Halloween season. So that's how I get... feel too, Tom. Okay. Voodoo has a big horror sale for summer, a kickoff to Halloween horror sale going on right now. And I have to exercise my restraint with my credit cards. But luckily, <laughs> I own most of the franchises that I wanted to own, but I did spend <laughs> a lot today too. But uh, it's the first day of summer today when we're recording. So that means fall is next. So we're not that far off. That also <laughs> means that we had a hundred plus degree spring yeah. and that we have at least three more months of this hellscape that is summer in the south you think it's bad now wait another 10 20 years and see how bad it's gonna be you'll Let's be living in bad, mad max territory for real see all i don't think we will i think that'll be further south than us honestly i think we'll just return to the dust bowl right texas is can get the front of it. Oh, you have Dust Bowl, but not really. Guess what I harvested out of my garden this last week? What fish? My onions. My onions. I've never grown onions what, before. What kind do you grow? Well, they're it's whatever comes in like the bundle of like sweet Texas onions. So they're like the little onion starters, and I've always wanted to grow them, and I never have. So they're like short day onions. They're white. I think they're fairly pungent. Like they're in the pungent onion category. Anyway, I grew like 20 because I just have raised beds, right? So I have a series of small ones and they just got big and beautiful. And then their little stalks flopped over and started to dry up. And I was like, it's time to pull you out. All of that is what she said. So now they're curing and I'm like, who am I? Martha Stewart. I always tell you. I'm pretty excited I, about it. I love onions. Me too. Onions they smell so good when they come garlic. out of the ground. Yeah. So that was fun. So I tried tried a new thing in the garden this year and it succeeded and that always makes me happy. So plant again for a fall harvest. Oh heck yeah, I am. I take some of those baby onions that didn't get very big. I'm gonna shove those suckers back in the ground. Take two. We're going to see what happens. Our 
peonies are taking off. So I'm hoping that that means next year we'll have a lot of flowers. Yeah, those things take like two or three years to get their lives together to then finally bloom. Yeah, we've got uh, where our lawn service rolled over our peonies last uh, year. That is not okay. But they came back. Well, That's three of good. the five did. Three of the five That's did. Good. Yeah. That's a patient plant. It is. And I'm not typically good with those. Uh, fortunately, they're not a lot of work, though. No, they're not. We also planted... Um, a couple of years ago, we planted a few lilies, and yeah. I always forget that they're there, and then they pop up, and every year they're bigger and bigger. We've got like 30 or 40 lilies right now in our front yard, and Christine's yeah, dad man. gets home. Christine's parents get home from Houston tomorrow, and so we're ordering in dinner and cutting our lilies and giving Aww. them presents. And that. one of our one of our tomato beds last year, we put marigolds around the perimeter to keep critters away because bunnies don't like marigolds. That's right. Um, and this year we have a couple of, it's it's a bed full of marigolds with a few stalks of uh, tomatoes coming up. That's what they're called, right? When they what seed, are... aren't they called tributes? When they cast off and pre and create new plants as well. It's something like that. Basically, yeah. when they receive themselves. I think so. Something like that. Yeah. I had some Thai basil just pop up in like three of my raised beds from last year. That was a delightful surprise. Don't you love gardening and the little surprises that happen? You know what? Garden makes me happy. Gardening makes me happy. It makes me extremely happy and extremely frustrated simultaneously. Yeah. Well, like I'm last year... Well, last year, our, we had so many beans. Our beans just took off like crazy. And so we saved some of them and planted them this year. And they all yeah. started and looked good and then just flopped over. Uh, last year, none of our cucumbers came in. And this year, they're going crazy. So I don't know the rhyme or reason. And we're fertilizing okay. properly. We're adding the right additives at the beginning, all the organic you know, soil additives. So I don't know. Oh, we have blueberries. Our blueberry. We have blueberries this week, so that's really nice. And we used some of our blueberries to make uh, Ellie's radish kit came in, and it was to make homemade donuts. We Ooh. made homemade. We made donuts from scratch in the oven, which was fun and way easier than I thought, and relatively more healthy. I looked up than a regular donut that is deep fried. Fried donut. Yep. But then we ruined that with a blueberry glaze. <laughs> Ruined it in the best way possible. Sugar glaze. Yes. Yes. Love it. Anthony, if you had the space and means, which is probably just the space, would you garden? No. No? Not so much interested? No. Gardening okay. is I used to think the same thing, Anthony, and I am a convert. And it is, it is good for my mental health. It is a very cathartic exercise. It's calming. I don't have the patience. Yeah, I'm telling you, like you that. sound just like me. That's my worst nightmare. And if you don't have the... That's <laughs> me. And if I don't what? Have the what? And you don't have the patience and they just die. 
Yeah. You, but you don't feel guilty about it like how, when you don't have patience for your pets. It's an entirely different thing. That's true. I do like playing uh, with life and death in my hands. So. <laughs> you get the opportunity to lord over an entire bed of plants. Speaking of lording over and holding life and death in your hands, this week we're discussing the <laughs> holiday episodes of New Girl. <laughs> I'm just kidding. We don't. We if we don't have to jump in, we can keep talking. I just felt the perfect opportunity for uh, <laughs> an, Ill, an ill-fated segue, one that would die on the vine, <laughs> kind of like Anthony's plants as, a, as in another universe. Probably. Why did I letting you have your segue? Are we ready? Okay. So we're covering the Fox original TV series that stars a someone we've covered and talked about a lot in the past, Zoe Deschanel as Jess, the new girl. And this show's really interesting. I don't know, Anthony, you didn't watch it in syndication. Julia, you did. So Anthony, I'm going to tell you like my my hot my hot take, not so hot take on this show is that Zoe Deschanel's character is the weakest of the bunch. I, I, I watched The New Girl. Oh, you did? I thought you didn't, because you made a big deal about watching it now and how you felt. Oh, no, 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 no. I watched it. Okay. So you know that there was that her character, the title character, there was a, a several episode arc where she wasn't even a part of her own show. Right. I do know that. Okay. And... I would, you know what, I'm just going to save my history right now. That show, I would like this show 20 times more if she was not a part of it. So I did waste my my perfect segue and let Anthony start his, uh, the weekly rants with Anthony, which is a segment I'm going to uh, propose that we introduce and make a theme song for. And when Anthony, when we're editing, when Anthony's going to go on a rant, we have this like fun, it's wild, it's rant time. With Anthony, it's rant time with Anthony. We're ranting with Anthony. <laughs> I'm all for that. Oh, um, so I may try to get a friend to record something like that, you know, with a little jaunty tune behind them and uh, add it before <laughs> Anthony's rants from now on. Oh, I love that. But I want to give Anthony another opportunity to rant about why he has so many terrible opinions about things in this world. But I know that's very broad for him to try to defend, so I'm just going to limit it to his lack of interest in over-understood or under-understood. Yeah, I I didn't like it. I like the co-hosts. I like the hosts and their dynamic. But the topics did not interest me. I thought for sure... Jeff at least Goldblum's like tattoo Goldblum. did not interest you. No. And you know what? I'll tell, I, I'll tell you my problem with that. I could have looked that up. But when they made it, there was no evidence on the internet. But that's that, that's fine. It didn't have to be a whole episode. Show like I didn't need your whole process. Okay, you guys aren't like proving of electricity here. You guys aren't proving some scientific thing. It's a tattoo in a movie. Just tell me the meaning rather than having on five people. Oh, I didn't notice this when we made the movie. I don't know. I couldn't tell you. I've been boring. I was driving down to PA listening to this, and I was bored out of my mind. <laughs> so perplexed by that. I don't understand this, especially given the very nature of our podcast. 
<laughs> because I hear so, I hear another podcast. I hear a New Yorker ranting. Why are there three people talking about this stupid Christmas no, 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 movie? No, 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 no. Why are they complaining about a Hallmark movie? I can watch it myself. I don't need them to tell me how dumb it is. I don't need them to argue about the pointlessness of the movie. It's made by Hallmark. We know it's pointless. I mean, you're not wrong. It's a personal <laughs> preference in the end. It's a personal preference in the end. I, I, I know, like I, I, I love things like uh, stuff you missed in history class or stuff you should know. I love things like that. Those but don't just, address the changing size of Captain Crunch. No, I they know. don't. And Are I listened rough? to that one too. <laughs> oh, how did you not? Did you not like that episode either? They had to go back and find a box of Captain Crunch from the 80s that was unopened. I'm sorry, his voice alone, when he thinks he gets the same operator and he changes his voice to talk to the new girl and Captain Crunch was like, funny. <laughs> I was laughing out loud in the lunchroom while I was eating lunch. The one, Looking like an idiot. Oh, maybe the thing not. I do want to take away from that podcast is that we need to harass people in their day jobs somehow related. To I mean, podcast. apparently. Uh, we, should have, we should have a segment where we dial random numbers and try to deliver the Christmas cheer like in the middle of summer. Hi, this is Santa's elf. <laughs> so uh, Ellie found in the back of a imagine? car. Ellie found in the back of a car this book. Um, called how to be santa claus that her that christine's mom had given me a while back and i guess was just left in her car and we were you know doing the, the car clean and ellie found it so she's been reading it in the back seat when we're driving and they have a section of like where kids a, a section where kids write into santa claus and his response and she'll just read it and crack up as she's reading it to us one of them was um one of them was santa what do you do on the day after christmas and santa's reply was well I play with the bad with the kids from the naughty lists toys. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Um, so I need to post in Discord and see if uh, any I mean, if our if our friend Santa Matt has this book yet, and if not, recommend it to him because it's pretty golden. Mm, I love that. So new back to new girl. I may or, as well go on my rant and just you know have people hate me all at once here. So my history with the new girl, I watched this show when it aired. Me and Sarah watched it. Sarah liked it a lot more than me. Most of the time I was hate watching it. Let me let me let me explain something to you guys. And apologies in advance to any listener out there who identifies as one. I hate hipsters. I hate hipster culture. I think it's all crap. It's all crap. I I feel like 95% of hipsters are people just doing it to try to be like, to go into that fad. Like, oh, I'm a weirdo. So I'm going to sit, I'm going to fit in with this fad. You know what? You only made it a fad. It's not, you're not being cool, ironically uncool right now, or ironically cool. You know what? You're just another group that you hate. Guess what? People hate you now. And I hate hipster culture. I hate going into Brooklyn because of hipster culture. I don't like people who identify as hipsters. Sorry. And this show is the embodiment of hipster culture. And that is why upon rewatching these episodes, but especially even when I was watching it live, I couldn't stand it. I don't like many of the characters. I like two of the characters. But speaking of which, but to go back to what Tom was saying earlier, yes, Zoe Deschanel is the worst on this show. You could remove her and the show would be infinitely 
better. She is annoying. And I'm going to say this right now. I like Zoe Deschanel in Elf. I liked Zoe Deschanel in 500 Days of Summer. Everything else, no. I don't care about her quirky hipsterness because she's not quirky and she's a fake hipster. I don't care. I do not care about her except in those two things. I need to make a correction here. You keep identifying her as a hipster. She is not a hipster. Zoe Deschanel is the mani- manic pixie dream girl, which is apart from hipster. She's not trying to be like hipster cool. She's trying to be like, oh, look at me. I'm so adorable, blah, blah, blah. She's like not, she doesn't have the counterculture-ness of anything well, hipster. Well, then those she doesn't have a manic good taste. pixie people, no, that's I don't okay like thing. either. Okay. Um, I, I just don't, it's a fad. It's a fact. Do you know when they're going to look back and look at them and think they were stupid? So uh, Nathan Robin was a film critic who, after watching Kirsten Dunst in Elizabethtown, coined the term Manic Pixie Dream Girl. And he said that the Manic Pixie Dream Girl, quote, exists solely in the fevered imagination of of sensitive writer-directors to teach broodingly soulful young men to embrace life and its infinite mysteries and adventures. Some of the big examples, Natalie Portman's character from Garden State, Mm. um, Jennifer Lawrence in Silver Lining's Playbook, um, are identified as the Manic Pixie Dream Girl. But if you really look further back in history, I read an article explaining that one of the earliest examples of this was Holly Golightly in Breakfast at Tiffany's. Ah, uh, I don't how like she had to be like How she had to be like so quirky and different and like, I'm ooh, look at me. I'm shocked you don't like Breakfast at Tiffany's. I don't. It's the one Audrey Hepburn I do not care for. Um, I do want to flip said, in. I said, what about Breakfast at Tiffany's? She said, I guess I remember that. I think I remember that film. And as I recall, we both kind of liked it. And I said, well, that's the one thing we've got. I'm going to say this too, before moving on, just to get it out of the way now. So there's no surprises that through this episode for my co-hosts and they can process it as we go along. I only like one of these episodes. The others, I don't care for. Spoiler alert. It's the first one. (laughs) I could see that. So I am going to go into a defense of hipster culture and what it has contributed to society that is very good. Hipsters were a big part of bringing the beard back to mainstream. Mm. The artisanal movements, whether you like them or not, including like the explosion of craft breweries, craft distilleries are attributed to the hipsters. Including and like the, the more of hipsters weren't involved with coffee. Them. I didn't go to, yeah, uh, you're not still going to be on the coffee point. <laughs> we, oh yeah, I forgot. You go like Starbucks. Dantic. <laughs> um, yeah. Julia and I um, remember the early days of the handmade movement, mm. the, the hipster influence on that. The stuff that influenced things like, you remember Regretzi? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I loved Regretsy, and you know the. Oh, I uh, totally forgot about Regretsy. So, you know there were a lot of a lot of cool things. People stopped wearing baggy pants because of early hipster hipsters and emo kids started wearing pants that that fit. Yeah, and instead they're wearing fake dark rimmed thick glasses and beanies in the hundred degree weather of the summer at a Brooklyn bar. 
you know what? Just let them be them. That's not hurting you in any way. I would let them be them if they weren't trying to be like, look at me, I'm so different and unique. You're not, you're not. You contributed, you went to this fad. And now Tom's trolling me. But Tom, your glasses are real. Beanies freaking rock. The I love beanies. Beanie is a comfortable I love beanies. But I was wearing a beanie today because my hair was awful at work. So I put on the beanie. Look, beanie, thick rim, black glasses. Real glasses. Beard. Real Ellie glasses. Wears, my daughter wears beard. fake glasses. Are you making fun she's of my a, child? She's a kid. She doesn't, she doesn't, she, she can't grow a beard. So when she has a beard, it has to be fake. How do you know if they're real or not glasses, Anthony? They're where this. I can tell. <laughs> I'm watching Anthony finally lose it with a hipster, pull her glasses off and break them, only to find out that the hipster can't see. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! Oh, the music man. that came out of the hip, that came from hipsters is unbelievable. All those Twilight albums are really good. I am going to disagree hard on both points. I'm sorry. Florence the Machine, Band of Horses, like you're not oh. you can say you can Lord, say a lot about Lord Huron. Uh, you can say a lot about the Twilight movies, but those albums nailed it pretty much every time. The Bird and the Bee, Peter Bjorn and John. I mean, Death Cab for Cutie had a resurgence then. Uh, they've always been amazing, though. So has the Decemberists. Yeah. That's yeah. why I am excluding them because they were amazing long before the hipster movement. Lord Huron is so good. Lawrence the Machine is You so know, I, I, I'll say with the bird and the bee, I will concede, Tom, they had a good Christmas album last year or two years ago. You don't like Band of Horses? No, I don't. Oh, man, I love Band of Horses. Boniver? Oh, uh, yeah. No? Leaky Lee? No? No. Dang, son. What about old school, like the old school indie rock bands that hipsters love, like Radiohead but, and The Smiths, the Modest you mean Mouse? The what? Yeah, but I don't love, yes, I do love all of them. Slater Kinney. Okay. Okay. So you're really more the 500 Days of Summer hipster music than you are other music. I don't even know what's on that soundtrack. 500 in ter- Days of Summer. In terms of music overall, I don't like a lot of recent music. Anthony, I'm becoming more and more convinced that you may be a 70-year-old man. Well, no, I was about to say, while, Jer- I, while, while I, I was about to actually compare myself here, while Jerry loves to live in the 80s, love you, Jerry, I prefer to live pre-90s when it comes to music, 80s, 70s, 60s, older. Oh, I can oh. deal with the 90s too, but 2000s, I don't like a lot of things that come post 2000. Lady Gaga. I, like Lady really, Gaga. I don't like really popular 2000 music. That's really sad because music didn't really start getting good until the mid 90s, mid 80s. That's, have me on your other podcast and we can debate. Ooh, Collective Soul. <laughs> it's on the Twilight album. Paramore? Do you like Paramore? You better tell me right now, or we're going to have real words. Do you like Paramore? Anthony Caruso. Oh, well, now I got to start liking Paramore just out of. <laughs> Do you like Paramore either? No. Do you like Paramore. Feist, Anthony? Or Regina Spector? Oh my gosh. I lo- oh, Regina Spector's okay. Okay. You're okay. Sherry Chamberlain? You don't like Paramore, Tom? 
You don't know Sherry Chamberlain. She's a local artist. I just owned you. I knew you were just being obstinate. I knew it. Oh, okay. Back to New Girl. I am. She's a local artist. She still so has much about each other. You don't know Sherry Chamberlain. Um, she's also hasn't been an artist for a long time now. I think she's a realtor or something. No, she's, she's interior. Des- she is a designer. Interior I know, designer. I'm gonna, she's good with the interior designs. So I'll give her <laughs> <laughs> Oh. Okay. Uh, so let's go through the. Let's go. Well, through, well, Anthony, well I want to hear your history. History. Anthony gave his history. Julia, you want to go ahead and go? Yeah, sure. So I um I watched the first three seasons of New Girl as they came out on Fox. Um, typically, I mean, I ended up being DVR at that point, right? Because that delightful bit of technology existed at that time, which was wonderful because, I mean, this all happened when our kids were annoyingly small and you couldn't watch shows like this around them. Um, Marty and I watched it together and we really liked this show. And when I was rewatching it for tonight, he was like, we really need to rewatch that one. And I'm like, yeah, let's put it on the list of 60 things we say that about, but I fall asleep at nine o'clock at night, so... Um, but uh, Hannah loves the show as well. It's actually one we recommended to her after she watched The Good Place, which was a recommendation from Anthony, right? It was. Do you like it too, Tom? I lost interest pretty early on. Okay. Then it was Anthony. And so I told Hannah, Anthony really liked The Good Place. And so she watched it and she got done with it. She loved it. And she's like, what do I need to watch now? And I'm like, you need to watch New Girl. You'd love New Girl. She loved New Girl. So, um. I'm a big fan, although I don't think I saw anything past the third season. It definitely had a peak for me. Um, it got less and less good as time went on, and I stopped watching. Uh, so some of these episodes, two, um, two, or maybe just one of these episodes was new, and I have lots of questions <laughs> because, like, is it an episode? And I was like, Coach came back, and then Megan Fox, and I'm like, what happened? Coach came I, back. I, Coach I, came I, back because happy endings did not have a happy ending. <laughs> I'm going to say oh, this. Okay. Hollywood, if you're listening, learn to cut your comedies short. They all go downhill. They all peak at a certain point and all last a little longer than they need to. Well, the ratings for New Girl only really started going down in the sixth season when they canceled. But it was part of this. There was there were all of these shows like New Girl that were coming out. I mean, like mm-hmm. things that I consider, and I can't quite put my finger on it, but movie shows that I consider comparable to this, including like How I Met Your Mother, Happy Endings, You're the Worst. Mm-hmm. Two Broke Girls, the mm-hmm. Mindy Project. You're the worst. That wasn't even like a network show with a laugh, you know, like this. No, but it still just had the same kind of storylines. I don't know. Oh, what was that God, really dumb like one that show. I never, that I could never watch with? Who likes uh, that show? Don't you like You're the Worst? Yeah. But like, Aren't I they don't find it. No. What was that really dumb one with James Vanderbilt? Give you a Hannah face. They're not. <laughs> okay. I don't know really. I haven't seen it. What um, was the really what was the really dumb one from this time period with James Vanderbeek? Uh oh the one apartment where he's 23? himself. Apartment yes. 23, don't trust the beat. I love that one. Oh, that was terrible. It was the same thing. She was a she well, was Kristen a, Ritter, I could watch. She was just like a goth man. Exactly. Girl. That was my type. The goth See the one girl. from um, Jessica Jones. Yeah, that's 
I like Julia like the show. There are a lot of shows that I really like and um, I stick with for a while, but just like How I Met Your Mother, I really lost interest in the same story happening over and over and over again. These, um, as much as I did defend and say, well, you know, the, the ratings didn't really start slipping until season six um, when they got bad, but I'm with Anthony. They just keep doing the same storyline over and over and I imagine it's got to be a lot harder for for writers of sitcoms now because the the lines and limits of things were pushed so much by sitcoms in the 90s. Mm. There's only so many ways you could do the whole friends hanging out in an apartment coffee shop bar type thing. Right. Mm-hmm. I don't I don't ca- I don't care if you're doing it like in the 90s, the 60s when I love Lucy did it, the 50s, they're all the same. You're just changing the time period and you're doing the references of the time. But it's the same stupid plot. Not even stupid because I like a lot of those shows. But it's the same thing. You can't, there's no way to make it original. You're going to all date you're going to date each other. It's going to be awkward. You're going to break yeah. up. Oh no. Yeah. One of you is going to date somebody much much older in the dad zone. Like there's just all these things that they keep doing. And yeah, so I lost interest, I don't know, probably season four or so and stopped watching. Um, but I don't really like, I don't use my own uh, short attention span for TV shows to mean much. Cause I think in the last month I've started three shows like them, watched a few episodes and then I'm like, eh, now I'm over it. Uh, have you watched God's idiot chosen idiot? I've heard mixed things about that. How is it? It cracked me up at first, but then it's too much of itself. It, it, it insists upon itself. And I think if you look at the cast, you'll know exactly what I mean without watching the first three episodes. But I know what you mean exactly when you say it insists upon itself. Some shows reach a point where that's yeah. all they do, especially the ones that become really popular. Then it's almost kind of like they become a parody of themselves because they know what people like and they're just trying to get all the beats people like. I know exactly what you mean. Yeah. Well, Have you watch Ghosts yet? I uh, got a few episodes in and I'm like, I don't really, I don't know that I'm going to stick with this. Same thing with Killing It. Nah. Which one is Killing Ghost It? Is so good. Craig Robinson. Oh, right, right, right. I didn't where see Where he that one. starts python hunting in Florida. By the way, uh, while this show was running, like just playing in the background um, after an episode, I did hear my new favorite insult for somebody. What is it? You look like a man who pays child support in Florida. Oh, ouch. <laughs> right? That's pretty rough. Okay, I got to take off my beanie. This uh, trolling of Anthony is good and all, but it's really hot. Oh, <laughs> look at that. Look at that. Who would have thought a beanie in a hundred degree summer weather was unsustainable? We need a shirt. We need a shirt with Anthony's image on it and then something like that. I'm going to have to make a meme of Anthony with like a a box that you can edit above it and just have Anthony's rants and you can put whatever you want. Imagine it in Anthony's voice. So this show, like we said, it started Zoe Deschanel, who we've covered. I'm going to see, after I go through the cast, I'm going to let Julie and I take a moment to play a new segment that I'm calling, Who Did Anthony Actually Like? Where we try to figure out which characters Anthony was okay with on this show. To go for it. 
Uh, I bet Nick, you guys can guess. Nick Miller is played by Jake Johnson. He is our, you know, um, wasted talent. He's uh, a pretty bright guy, just lazy, doesn't do what he should. He passed the bar exam and decided not to become a lawyer. Um, he has been, he was the voice of Peter B. Parker in Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse. Mm-hmm. He was Lowry in Jurassic World. Was that an, was that a light, was, is that Larry? Dog like, does Larry like him or not like him? Was that a good <laughs> or a negative? I he think was in Larry the, likes him. He was in the TV show Hoops. He was in Minx. He was in Tag. He was in Tag. He played a few roles in Drunk History. So that's how we know he's a good guy. He was in the <laughs> was bad it? CGI modern reboot of The Mummy with Tom Cruise. Oh, that's that was awful. supposed to kickstart their oh. Monsters universe. He is in BoJack Horseman. He was, he does a lot of voice work, including Jurassic, the Lego Jurassic World. Um, Voice work. That's a good voice work. It's unique. Yeah. Yeah. uh, He was on Curb Your Enthusiasm, Anthony. What season does it say? He was 2007. The episode called The Inward. And he was the man on the cell phone. Oh, cool. So, um, I will say, I re- uh, I really like the show Minx, and he plays exactly what he looks like in that show. What's that mean? So Minx is a show set during like the women's live, live movement it's on HBO Max. It's a comedy. It's where this like really feminist writer wants to do a really feminist magazine, but nobody will buy it. So they okay. have this idea: the only way to get a feminist magazine off the ground is to do like a dirty magazine. So like she's supposed to do like the first male dirty magazine, you know, like nude men and sneak her feminist articles in. Well, he plays like the, (laughs) the, the porno financier, basically. He has a million skin mags he produces and he looks exactly like that type. The mustache and the hair and that accent. It's him. (laughs) I like Nick. I always liked Nick. Uh, just so you know, there's a recent interview with recent. I don't know how recent. Yeah. I saw in Vulture last month, Jake Johnson wants to work with Oscar Isaac. And they had a few ideas of what that could look like. So I think I would I would watch that as well. He looks a little bit into... like a watered down Oscar Isaac. Well, if you look at say, them I next to each other, slipping into Moon Knight somehow. Just look at this, though, y'all. Here, I'm going to share my screen. They look related. Yeah, I can see you it. See that? Yeah, I can yep. see it. Totally. He's not as beautiful as Oscar, but like, he could be like his brother that got hit too many times in the face for playing football or something. Does that mean? Okay. <laughs> uh, I don't really. I don't know how to come out of that, so I'm just going to go on. <laughs> Max Greenfield plays Winston Schmidt, also, Schmidt. Jo- also just known as Schmidt throughout the show. Um, I'm going to assume Anthony does not like Schmidt. 
I don't think Anthony likes Schmidt. I think Anthony's a Winston guy. I'm not saying confirming or denying until we run through all the characters. I don't think he likes Schmidt. So Schmidt, Schmidt was, played. This guy was just in that movie I watched with uh, Sally Field on Netflix. She, he's a younger guy she's into. Huh. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. He was in American Horror Story, the TV show The Neighborhood. Mm-hmm. With uh, Cedric the Entertainer. Uh-huh. He is in the recent remake TV series, one episode of the new Doogie Hauser spinoff. Remade that? Yeah, it's, it's on Disney. Disney always Doozy Kamaloa, MD. Oh, right. Right, right, right. Got it. He's a recurring voice on Bob's Burgers as Boo Boo. He's in BoJack Horseman as well. He was on Veronica Mars. The TV series, A Series of Unfortunate Events. The 2019 movie, What Men Want. Who was he in America- A Series of Unfortunate Events? Uh, he was, I don't know. I don't know oh, he was one it. of the circus hmm. freaks. Yeah. He was one of the circus freaks. He was on the Mindy Project, Hot in Cleveland. He had a one-time role on Happy Endings. He was on Ugly Betty, Greek, Modern Men. He was on an episode of Gilmore Girls in 2003. What? I have to go back and watch it. He played Lucas in Chicken or Beef. Playing Jessica Day's best friend, Cece Perec is Hannah Simone. I'm assuming Anthony likes Cece. But I, I don't Anthony know if I consider her one of the one of the stars of the show or not. But she is in some interesting things. She's been on the TV show Mirror Royal Detective as a voice of Pinky, a voice actress in No Activity, voice actress in Lofi, she was in a voice in Where's Waldo TV series. She was on the TV show Single Parents as doctor as a doctor. Uh, on the TV show H Plus and 1600 Pen as an on an episode and one of the of course you do, right? Bill Pullman. Yeah, but it's about politics. But Bill and, Pullman was a president, and he should always play a president ever since Independence Day. I don't care yeah, if it's a drama or comedy. Is that the that's the one with uh, Josh, Josh Gad, Gad right? before he's okay. like Josh Gad? Yeah. We have in season one, and then coming back later in the season, we have Damon Wayans Jr. just playing coach. Like I said, he left the series after season one to be on the TV show with a bigger role, Happy Endings. Okay, wait, I've got a, do you have like a burner Twitter account? No. So weird, we were just talking about Manic Pixie weirdos when somebody literally called the Manic Pixie Weirdo podcast retweeted something I just posted like a few minutes ago. What's the Manic Pixie Weirdo podcast? I have no clue. I don't follow them. Huh, okay. That's really funny. I'm going to have to go look at that later. Um, so Damon Wayans Jr. is a voice, recurring voice on Bob's Burgers. He was also on Hoops. Like I said, the TV show Happy Ending, he did a 
He had a sh uh, another show he was on, Happy Together, The Truth About the Harry Hubert Affair. He was on Super Troopers 2, Curb Your Enthusiasm. He had a single role on a, he was on an episode of Brooklyn Nine-Nine. In the movie Let's Be Cops, he had a voice role in Big Hero 6. He's in How to Be Single. And he was on the show My Wife and Kids. Winston Bishop comes in, um, comes on the show. Mm. We have another character who lives in the apartment, Winston Bishop, who is played by, is it Lamorne? Is that how you say his name? Lamar? L-A-M-O-R-N-E. Lamorne? 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 Played by, Lamorne. Played by Lamorne Morris. And he has an IMDb page that will not open up for me. He's done a lot of stuff as well. A lot of voice work over the years. He had a one time, he appeared on an episode of The Middle, show that I really like. He was on Drunk History. He was, uh, oh, he was. He was Martin Luther King Jr. on Drunk History. Nice. He was in a TV Christmas movie called Dear Secret Santa. So we could cover him oh, I again. Like the, I like is that what the was that a Hallmark one? Dear Secret Santa, it looks like I don't think it's a car. I don't think it's a holiday one. I mean a Hallmark. Okay. One. And the Hallmark must have done one exactly like this. The Hallmark's <laughs> usually the only one I want once I watch. So <laughs> um, never saw it. I'm gonna just share what I saw and you'll see. I don't think it's Hallmark. Yeah, that's Wait, it looks Hallmarky. Hallmark Hallmark has never had that much representation in one movie, Julia. Oh. That does not look like Hallmark. <laughs> Is that at what all. you mean? <laughs> That's exactly what I meant. <laughs> I was like, looks like a cheesy cover. <laughs> <laughs> he was in the TV show Suburban Sons, King Bachelor's Pad, Valley of the Boom, Carrier, Human Discoveries. He's on the show Call Me Cat. Have y'all seen that one? No. Have you seen that, Anthony? Nope. Do y'all know what that is? No, not at all. I have no clue. Mayim Bilek. Mayim Bilek. Is that his surname? Mayim Bialik. Yeah, however you say it. Mayim Bialik. Mayim Bialik. Fowler, whatever. Fowler. I don't even know. Yes. She opens a cat cafe. Since Anthony loves things hipster, I'm going to assume this would be his favorite show. Yeah. Yeah. I am familiar you, with that show, actually. You would hate it with a passion, Anthony. Yeah. Like a hard, hard passion. Well, you're not an Amy for a Fowler fan, are you? I am not. Yeah. How did you I know that? Know. Have I brought that up before? We've talked about it before. Yeah. I I love Amy for a Fowler. I don't like Amy for a Fowler, and I don't like Howard. I love the rest of that cast. But... Oh, I don't really care I would marry her. Bernadette. <laughs> I think that's all we're going to cover as the recurring characters because we don't have anybody so which, until which two do you think I like? You only like oh, two characters two? total? You said three earlier. I said it's two. Are we talking like main like main cast? You would consider the main cast. 
Well, you like Nick Miller. Yes. That one's obvious. I don't think you're going to like Schmidt at all. I don't think you like Schmidt. Schmidt's the other one. Those are the two Is he really? Oh, really? Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's oh. not bad taste. You don't like right? Winston? You don't like Winston? I don't like, I just realized what how about, bad it's going to sound because I don't like the two black people or the Indian woman. But I swear to God, I mean, I'm not coach is, about that. Coach is like neither here nor there, honestly. I don't feel like he got enough foothold in the first season. Do you like Winston's coach? pranks though, y'all? Like Winston's pranks are one of the funniest things from the show, how he yeah, doesn't love, know how to. I love Winston. We'll get to him and his stupid uh, berry in the ear. And then I'll talk about Winston. So since you watched the show and some of we have we have other characters come in and out. Do you like any of the ancillary characters? Are there any ancillary characters you really like from this show? Anthony? You mean like people like Justin Long and her boyfriends? Yeah, like her boyfriends. I, I liked Chelsea Oli- Peretti. I liked Olivia Munn. Who did she play? His stripper girlfriend. Oh. <clears throat> And I thought Megan Fox was actually okay. Oh my god! And I don't like Megan Fox in anything. <laughs> but she was filling in for Jess, and I don't like Jess. So. Dermot Mulroney was in it for a while, right? That's who she. That's who she dated. I feel like Dermot Mulroney is in every single. Thing he was the old. Long enough. He was the, the old guy, guy she dated. Then we had she had like Natasha Leone was on it for a while. I'm trying to think of who else. Who played Winston's girlfriend and the cop? Uh, I know exactly what you're talking about. And I actually do like her. I like I like her character on here a lot. Yep. Okay. One of the girls from Mean Girls was on the show too. I guess her enemy from high school, right? Lizzie Kaplan. Anyway. All right. Kaplan. Hello, Lizzie Ooh. Kaplan. Let's jump into this, into the episodes. Our first episode that we're going to cover. What was our first one called? Yes. Our first episode that we have is the 23rd, which is from season one. And... On the, so this sets the stage that for some reason Jess's character Jess, for some reason Jess is obsessed with this forged family that she's found of people that she is roommate that are her roommates. She's obsessed with them having these family-like experiences, including Christmas Eve Eve, which is going to. Like that's setting the stage for all the four remaining Christmas episodes. But she really wants them to all get to spend Christmas Eve Eve together. In order to do that, they have to go to Schmidt's holiday office party. Where he's going to be playing Sexy Santa. We don't know it's Sexy Santa. He just says he's Santa. <laughs> and he tells Winston that he likes playing Santa because he all of the he's the only male in the office all of the women get drunk and tell him his secret their secrets that he can then use to manipulate them over the next year yeah he's a bit a very schmitty thing to a do bit right of a d-bag <laughs> oh schmidt is <laughs> they actually have a douchebag 
jar where everything he says that's a douche, that's douchebaggy he has to put money into. Oh man, we should have that for this podcast. And we should donate it to charity at the end of the year. Oh. We'll cancel out our Patreon. <laughs> They're going to be forced to go because. Jess wants them all to spend it together, so they're going to go to Schmidt's office party, which I've never been an office party where I can bring all of my roommates and friends. Have y'all? Yeah, like that seems very generous. Very generous. It's hipster LA. They break the rules. They're so unique and quirky. You can bring who you want. But part of this story... I, I do want to say real quick, I do appreciate this party is on the 23rd, because how many shows and movies have recovered where it's actually the 24th, and we're like, who's at an office yeah. party on the 24th? Yeah. And that's yeah. one thing I do like about this show, that all their Christmas episodes tend to take place on the 23rd, because yeah. everyone goes home for Christmas, or has other Christmas things to do. Uh, they're supposed to go home for Christmas. Well, yeah. Mm. But we see there's a, running, there's a running theme that Nick never makes his flight on time. Yeah. At this point... Jess is dating Paul. Paul, who is played by Justin Long. Who I love. Love Justin Long. What's your favorite you know Justin where, Long? Do you know where I first fell in love with Justin Long? The the TV show Ed that I have talked about before. With the bowling alley lawyer. He was in that show. Love that show. What's your Justin, favorite Justin Long? Um, I don't really like Justin Long because he's a sellout. Why is he a sellout? He was the Mac guy. Oh, yeah. And then he went PC. He went PC? Yeah, last <laughs> year he did a PC, a commercial for PCs. Did he really? Yeah. Hmm. So I like Justin Long. I actually really liked him in a movie that should have had sequels. The Sorcerer's Apprentice with Nicolas Cage, the Disney That movie. was so good. It was so good. I don't know why they didn't do sequels to that. I really liked him in that. And I really liked him in Going the Distance with Drew Barrymore. For their the long distance couple. They dated for a while. For realsies? No, no that was I, the d- dude you're getting a Dell guy, wasn't it? I did not like him in... Wait, what? Uh, <laughs> do you remember that... She dude, dated the You're Getting a Dell... Oh, nope. Drag Me to Hell. Drag Me to Hell was my favorite, just along. Sam Raimi, Drag Me to Hell. Hmm. Although I also like Zach and Miri make a porno. I love Justin Long. Yeah, he's great. He's great. I don't like him as Alvin in the live action Alvin and the Chipmunks, though. I don't like the live action? No. I still can't believe he didn't end up with Jess, honestly. I can't believe she ended up with anyone. Who did she end up with? Nick, right? I I didn't watch the remain the end I of think the series. she I, she and Nick are gonna end up together. I don't remember. I didn't make it that I far. I think they end up together. Yeah. Okay. I mean, they should, but my her favorite and Justin, Paul were a cute couple. My favorite Justin Long was the 2001 movie Jeepers Creepers. Oh boy, blockbuster. Do you remember there. that one, Anthony? Well, I, I do remember, remember that, that one. And we make fun of it, but like Leprechaun, it spawned like five sequels. It sure did. Many of which were direct DVD, and one of which, and a new one is coming out. So, huh, sounds like a horror film. Well, as Jess 
and Paul are exchanging their Christmas gifts, Jeff, Jeff, Paul slips, I love you to Jeff. And what does Jess say? Thank you. Thank you. Because she couldn't say it because she doesn't love him. He also came out of the gate with a dang impressive Christmas present. Like tickets to Vienna and something else while they're in Vienna. Like, dang, son, coming on a little strong, are we? How many of the guys that she date are going to take her overseas? Two, at least, that we know for Christmas. Did you like the opening scene, Anthony? With them on their roller skates? Where they found the gifts that Jess was going to give them all? Roller skates? No. So I did not. Yeah. But, but I loved the final scene. Well, but you roller, know roller skates are a big thing. I mean, the pandemic taught us that people love to roller skate, right? Right? Did it teach us that? I mean, I already liked roller skate. Did you not fall, like, see how big roller skating got during the pandemic? No. I love <sighs> skating. I did not care for the opening scene. I like this episode, though. I like the rest of the episode. The roller skates are so cute. These boys are so cute around Jess. That's what I appreciate the most, honestly. Yes, LA Times, Washington Post, Marketplace, uh, New York Times all, all wrote about how there was a resurgence of roller skating during the pandemic. Roller skating experiences a pandemic revival. So this was just, they were just cool about roller skating before roller skating was cool again. Because they're hipsters and hipsters do it first. Yes. The thing I love throughout this is the continual begrudging and participation Schmidt has in Christmas, despite the fact that he <laughs> continually reminds them he's Jewish. So don't with Christians. Yeah. <laughs> well, he had that fantastic line where he called it White Anglo-Saxon Privilege Night. That's the name of this episode. And when I heard that, I lost it. And that's all I texted to Anthony and Julia was White Anglo-Saxon, or as I like to call it, White Anglo-Saxon Privilege Night. <laughs> oh, I love it. Uh, Cece's paired up with somebody in this episode, right? Speaking of D-bags. Yeah, Errol. Uh, she Steve is. Armel she, from Steve, yeah, Oliver. Well, I think his name is Kyle on the show. But yeah, yeah. Oliver Queen. On the He's always going to be Oliver Queen, though, after he did Arrow. Yep. And before he did it. So I did want to share one quote that I liked from the opening scene that I have down. Winston and Schmidt are talking trash, and Schmidt is always better than everybody at everything. So when they're going to roller skate fight, Schmidt says, Winston, you better watch it, man, because I will I will take you down. I had figure skating lessons until I was 13, and then my mom sobered up and realized I was a boy. Let's do this. <laughs> <laughs> I'm curious. I'm really curious if Schmidt's I, – I need to find out, but if Schmidt's lines were written or if he improved. Oh, I would like to know that. I would almost be more impressed if they were written because the best comedians can deliver a written line as though they are improv. Hmm. That's true. That's a good call. I did like the scene with um, 
Jess and Cece in the bathroom, hiding out in the bathroom, sitting on the dirty bathroom floor. While mm-hmm. somebody's in the bathroom? <laughs> yeah. Clearly doing something disgusting because the minute she leaves, they're like, yeah, we have to get out of this bathroom. We have to get out of here. <laughs> but I thought but, that was a very sweet scene between the two of them. I like their relationship in general. I don't buy that Cece would actually be friends with her. What? I do. I, I think Cece's too good for her. Yeah, I can tell you've never had a girl for, a girl. Okay. No, no, you were right. The I can first tell time. you've never had a gal pal is what I was trying to go for then. I mean, in my defense, literally 90% of my friends are girl friends. Okay. I can tell you're not a woman with a gal pal. <laughs> That's what I should have said. Well, thank you. I can I'm totally glad, I'm, I'm see glad it. five years in. I just mean acknowledged I am not a woman. I just mean opposite. Julia is sobered up and realized you weren't a girl. <laughs> I just mean opposites attract more often than you think, even in friendship relationships. And Cece and Jess are equally terrible people simultaneously at multiple times throughout the show. Okay, so like neither one is perfect. And we're told they were friends. They they were friends before high school too. Yeah, they have history. I have friends from that I've had for thirty years that probably don't seem like people I'd be friends with. No. But but I do see what you're saying. I don't. They don't seem to have that much in common. The only thing that really seems to keep them together is they are both really crappy at relationships. (laughs) <laughs> and Schmidt and Schmidt because he's a roommate and then her romantic interest well on and off again right there's everything yeah. is on and off again yes everything's on and off again I never saw that before um so I do like one of my favorite lines is from that scene you just mentioned Anthony when they're in the bathroom and Cece's like, remember when Christmas used to be fun and all I had to do was worry about my drunk uncle asking me out again? And Jess is like, yes, Uncle Pradeep. He thought I was a boy. <laughs> so, so, so I do like the, the end of this episode where Jess is upset because she breaks up with Justin Long, right? Why did she break up with Justin Long, though? What happened? Why? I don't know. It's part of the story. Oh, n- she told Nick that she didn't love him. And Nick goes outside and um, he's talking to Nick and he's like, has Jess not talked to you? And Nick and Paul says, oh yeah, we've talked. Nick says, it's, it's hard. It's really tricky. It's like, she doesn't even love you. Right. Paul, it's not to say she might not fall in love with you later. And Paul says, we talked about how we might have to drive you to the airport. Cause you're going to miss your flight. Nick said, yeah, that's probably all you talked about. So I'm joking. But then there's this whole like moment where they're hugging and Nick is consoling him and Nick when they're hugging Nick says they were guy talking and Paul says they were moved about jazz music and that's why they were hugging and then Nick just blurts out I told him you don't love him so (laughs) Paul being the nice guy that he is even comes back and says but he said it nicely okay so now sorry I was just saying the stage there Anthony I did not mean to steal your thunder no, it, so Nick feels bad for Jess, so he decides to drive her to Candy Cane Lane 
which is just on the way to the airport. He decides to miss his flight, which is going to make it on time, and drive her to Candy Cane Lane to see all the lights. It's a street with all the lights. It's supposed to look gorgeous. And of course, when they get there, it's like 3 a.m. because they're just with the party and everything's off. So they all get out of the car and start shouting, turn the lights on, turn the lights on, turn the lights on, turn the lights on. And all the lights go on and it looks beautiful. And they play I'll Be Home for Christmas while Nick's lamenting he'll be late and his mom will get his case again. And it's a perfect scene. Mm-hmm. It is very Christmassy. They did do a good job throughout these of making doing something most shows can't do, and that's making California feel Christmassy. Yeah, that's true. I do appreciate, too, you got the two types of lawns in this scene. (laughs) You got the lawn that leaves their inflatable up 24-7, so it doesn't look melted on their lawn, which is a huge (laughs) pet peeve of mine. And then you got the lawn where it's just melted over the lawn. That did feel more real, didn't it, than most shows? Mm -hmm. did. It did. That annoys me when I drive through a neighborhood during the day and just see these giant inflatables like melted, like ice cream cones on people's lawns. All the rest of their lawn looks pretty and everything. Ours melt during the day. I'm sorry. (laughs) I'm not. I don't want to pay for the electricity. (laughs) Did y'all like the sexy Santa bit? That's okay. I thought it was really funny when the little boys talking to Winston who doesn't like kids, who doesn't like grown-ups usually. And he's like, mom won't let me go sit on Santa's lap. And he's like, your mom's pretty smart. <laughs> <laughs> but then Schmidt finally stands up for himself mm-hmm. to his boss and tells her she's not, he's not going to be doing any of this stuff. He doesn't want to be object- objectified anymore. And she's like, does that mean no more sexy Easter bunny? No sexy Easter bunny. What about sexy? De- what about Cinco de Sexy? No Cinco de Sexy. <laughs> And no, and no sexy Martin Luther King and Schmidt said, I can never get the voice right. I never felt like I had the authority. Think <laughs> of the sexy is my favorite. Then he says, Kim, I'm not going to be sexy Santa anymore. It's over. Santa's dead. I killed him. And the little boy overheard that and was traumatized. He's talking to Winston about like, you know, why Santa isn't wearing a shirt. And Winston's like, he's like, I don't know. We ask ourselves the same question. And Alvin said, is it because he's a D-bag? Mommy says he's a D-bag. <laughs> Yeah, in this episode, Winston's kind of rudderless, right? So he goes to the party basically basically because Schmidt's like, hey, you can network a little bit and you can find a better job. And that's just how it's all done. Does that kind of describe Winston as a character a lot of the time? Rudderless? Until he suddenly becomes a cop? Uh, Yeah, yeah, until he randomly becomes a cop, yeah. It did feel very random. It did, right? Like it came out of nowhere. It's like we have to give Winston a storyline six years in. Yeah. Yeah, I did. I think it would have been funnier if he would have been a Chandler character and had a job and nobody knew what Winston did. Yeah. That would have fit Winston's character to me a lot more than Winston becoming a cop. Yeah. Yeah. What do we want to rank this one? Uh, Seven. Yeah, so this is the one I like the most. I'm going to give it a 6.5. I'm going to give it an 8. This is a 7.167. Well, I guess I feel bad. I should have let Anthony 
walk us through this episode since this was the one he liked and he did give me something I liked last time so I'll narrate this next one or okay. walk us what, this next one. what's our next one Anthony so it's why do I need you to narrate it to me I could just watch it myself <laughs> five years in five years in and we finally hit this uh this point of uh what's what i'm looking for maslow's hierarchy anyway see the Self, two we're self-actualizing sorry we're self-actualizing at this point go ahead sorry Andy. season two episode 11 is called santa so let me tell you about this random tattoo that was on Jess's wrist in this episode that nobody seems to know how it got there. Now, okay, so quick overview of this. The gang attends several Christmas parties on Christmas Eve. Sam, who is Jess's new ex-boyfriend, tries to win Jess back. Nick is intimidated by Angie being very sexually adventurous in public because she's a stripper. And Schmidt rejects Cece after she denies him, after he's proclaimed his love for so, the, so it's Christmas Eve Eve, right? Mm-hmm. And while in the loft at the very beginning of the episode, the gang, it's kind of like that episode of Modern Family they covered. They realize, hey, this is the last time we're all going to hang out together before we go our separate ways of the holidays. So we have to do something to celebrate. So they realize they all have different like party engagements that night, right? Mm-hmm. Or, and they're like, well, let's hit them all together essentially but with an irish goodbye with the irish goodbye because that's the only way we'll hit them all the time which very true at least if you're attending parties that i go to (laughs) i love the irish goodbye so it's Um, a thing it's not just for the show no the irish goodbye is a real thing that's and and it's it's just leaving without saying goodbye yeah in an italian family you either start saying your goodbyes like 90 minutes before you actually have to leave yeah. or you do the Irish goodbye. And I always opt for say goodbye to two people and do the Irish goodbye with everyone else. Okay. Good to know. I was curious about that. I'd never heard of Interesting. it. Interesting. Yeah. It's a thing. It's a real thing. So this first party they run into just free. They, this first party they go to just freaks out because she sees Sam Right, she doesn't want to deal with him, so she hides behind Schmidt and CC, so she don't they don't see her. And Schmidt oh, but what is the first party she goes? They go to is the cookie decorating the, they do party. That. It's like Jess's so, party. It's all Reese, no candy canes or something, right? That's right, because <laughs> it's mostly her feminist lesbian, lesbian friends. Friends, Schmidt does not want to be around them. All Reese, no candy canes. All Reese, no candy canes. Want to be around CC either. They feel awkward around each other. Yeah. And when Jess is hiding behind them, so they don't, she doesn't have to see Sam, they're projecting what's going on with their problems onto what's going on with Jess. Like, well, well, maybe Sam is, you know, a jerk who didn't say I love you back. And that's why, you know, that Mm -hmm. type of thing. Um, for some reason, Winston continues to prove to be the most useless character on the show because the only thing he has going for him in this episode, he has something, what is it, a berry stuck in his ear. He has ear. a cranberry stuck in his ear. Yeah. Because at the beginning, the opener of this one is so good. 
They what were talking about the Santa. They're talking about Santa at the table. It, Winston won't. Winston's like, if Santa's real or something. I'm like, wait, did you say if? Yeah, whether he's real or not, or they like he's real or not. <laughs> and they all go, Did you say up. weather? <laughs> this is the one where we have white Anglo-Saxon winter That's privilege right. night. By the way. We so get stuttery he, Winston, and I love stuttery yeah. Winston. He has a cranberry stuck in his ear, so of course yeah. at the party when they're trying to sneak out and just without Sam seeing them, he's like, "Hey, Jess, Sam's here!" Like, ha ha, very funny. And they're like, "Irish goodbye," and then just run out. And I'm like, uh, "Okay, cool." Um, <laughs> Nick's girlfriend, Angie Ryle, she's a stripper. They she suggests they have sex. At a public it, place, and Nick Nick pretends to be cool and adventurous. And then she's like, "I don't think you're that adventurous." And Nick's like, "No, I'm adventurous." And this whole episode of him pretending he's cool with her outward flirtations and her wild side out in public, right? Mm-hmm. So this is one of my favorite scenes coming up that I can't wait for. <laughs> go on, Tom. What happens next? At the next. Oh part? no, it's after. It's after. It's after the next part. Okay, so at the Where's next the party. Sam follows Jess there and Jess and Schmidt hide out in a closet and Sam through the closet door tells her that she want, he wants her back and this is after he said it three times at different doors thinking she's been hiding in each room mm-hmm, and that's right. she says no and is Sam too good for Jess too Anthony I don't remember much about Sam, honestly. He's a doctor? Yeah, he's a kid doctor, right? Yeah. Well, that actually fits with her because she's a teacher, elementary school teacher, right? So I can see that. Okay. Um, It's at this party, too, that Nick admits to Angie that he's not like her. And he misuses the word stripper, right? Yeah. He offends her with his use of the term, and she leaves in anger. And Cece gives Schmidt a gift, right? What does she get him? (laughs) Titanium, tungsten, whatever it is. Carbonite, carbonate, carbonide bracelet. It's a total douche bracelet. And Schmidt gives it off to another woman because he's hurt at Cece. Then say, I'll be back. And Cece's hurt by this gesture. It's pretty harsh. Um, So at the third party, Jess is like, Oh, I can't believe I rejected Sam. She's had that self-doubting herself. And Nick, of course, is alone and down in the dumps because he just hurt Angie. And mm-hmm. he says, oh, Jess, you know what? I believe in second chances. And sure enough, Angie turns up because she believes in them too. And Nick apologizes and they get back together. Wasn't it like you're not, you're not always going to be a stripper or something when he was talking about how uncomfortable he was with her? Yes. It says it's temporary. Yeah, temporary. It's temporary. That's right. Thank you. Sorry. She's like, mm, you don't respect what I do. But it's at so, like the the party at the radio station that they kind of make their amends, and that's when right. we get the this Schmidt a... striptease dance. Well, they that, it, a... that's my favorite. Yes, that Sorry. made me laugh really, really hard. Honestly. Well, this is also when we find out what the gift was that Cece gave Schmidt, right? And it's a douche bracelet. And she said she got it for him as a thank you for yeah. loving her. And it was very sweet. I like that. Sweet. 
But yeah, talk about the striptease, Tom. Since... Wait, they, is it? Didn't they? Was that before or after they tried to do it in the sleigh? After. A uh, sleigh was the second party. Okay, yeah. Right. Where Nick. Yeah, and that's where Nick screamed out, "This is my worst nightmare," which is also what he screamed yeah. in the first Christmas episode when he was Correct. alone in the uncomfortable thing. I was kind of hoping they'd continue that, but Nick tries to give his girlfriend a lap dance, and it's bad. <laughs> And she's like, no, let me show you how to do it. And she starts giving him a lap dance. And Schmidt comes over. Um, I don't know totally exactly wrong. what. Like, you're doing it totally wrong. It's like this. It's about the eye contact. And Schmidt starts. I'm sorry. It is hilarious how into it he gets immediately. And Nick just slides under between his legs and gets mad at Schmidt. But that scene, I am sorry. That is classic. Yeah, it is. It's so good. Classic Schmidt. <laughs> so, I promise, Anthony, I will never give you a lap dance like Schmidt gave Nick. I appreciate that. That's a nice promise. It comes from a nice place. So they all leave the party. Jess is upset and driving like a lunatic because she's doubting, mm-hmm. you know, whether or mm-hmm. not she made the wrong move. Uh, you know, yeah. Can people now. really change? Can, really Can change? she trust what he's saying? And they're all crowded into the car, arguing with one another, and of course they get pulled over. And you know, they reek of <laughs> like they reek of booze. They just isn't drunk, but like Winston so, spilled like, alcohol on her. Yeah, she's covered in it. <laughs> they gotta throw the coat out the passenger window, and there's another cop there. And Schmidt goes, "What did he say?" There's are two of a... you. I thought we were in the middle of a budget crisis. <laughs> oh, we're in the middle of a budget crisis. That's right. <laughs> uh, that made me laugh. That made me laugh. Sorry. And no problem. I am glad that this one worked for you guys. Uh, Jess... Did you see the cop's name? No. What was, what was his name? What his name tag said Nicholas. Oh. Well, precious. Jess goes on and on about how you know she promises she's not drunk, and. She she has this kind of emotional breakdown with the cop. She talks about I actually believe in paying your debts to society, <laughs> and like, um, <laughs> and the cop lets her go. He's a big bearded black man. Yeah. Uh, he says, he and he says, her. I believe you. I believe you. Mistress of Merry Christmas and walks away. And they dub him Black Santa. Well, I and then he says, Winston. yeah, <laughs> and he also says like sometimes people aren't lying or, or the, you know, opposite of that, you know, sometimes people really are telling the truth. And so that inspires her to do yep. what she does next. But yeah, so the black go to the hospital. is awesome. Yeah. So they go to the hospital where Sam is working now. Like he's a doctor, like you said, um, yeah. Jess goes to the hospital, they kiss. This is where Schmidt also tells Cece that he never really gave her gift away, which cheers her up a bit. Yeah. And Nick and Angie are missing, and everyone that just assumes they're off having sex somewhere. The end. Um, did they look breakfast clubby to you walking through the halls? No, just me. Mm. Just you. I didn't get that vibe. I noticed a few times how terrible that hospital hallway lighting was, though. Felt like a hospital ha- hallway. Yeah, like it felt like a hospital hallway, which I can quasi appreciate, right? Like Grey's Anatomy, I, I, that's not real lighting. I'm sorry, people don't look like that at a hospital. 
house, show me where that hospital is because that's the hospital I want to go to with the fountains and the glass walls and like the beautiful. Yeah, not realistic. Yeah, exactly. I like that Jess as a, like knowing that Zoe Deschanel is a real singer who I think one of her albums has Oh Call Me You Faithful in it. She sings and doesn't know the lyrics. <laughs> Yeah. And Schmidt yeah. tries to Schmidt tries to join in. And just of course, she has the voice of an angel. Jewish things. Uh, this one, I like the Santa moment. And, and to your point, Tom, what you said earlier, I think it was you. I do like because it was evident in this one again how Christmassy they made LA feel at all these different parts because you don't see that a lot. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, they had a Linus moment. I'll give it that. Yep. But this one did not work for me as much as the first. I'm giving it a 5.5. Can I do a uh, couple eight. quotes? Oh, yeah, quotes. Yeah, go for it. I like the beginning when they were talking about like how they believe in Santa, you know, when they were kids. <laughs> and Jess says, someone tells me a fat man's bringing me dolls every year. I just don't question it. And I'm like, that is the approach to Santa. Um, and then Schmidt tells her, you would have been my worst nightmare. We were on a strict we were on strict orders from Rabbi Shmuley not to say a word until the last Christian found out about Santa Claus. Ruining Christmas, very bad for our brand. <laughs> <laughs> and then Schmidt also made the comment, uh, I'm so sick of hanging out with Christians. This is my last Christian Christmas. <laughs> and I misquoted earlier because in my notes it says, um, Schmidt says, I just want to spend the night making it with some fatty in an elf costume. Is that too much to ask for? Instead, I'm stuck here at the lesbian cookie party. It's all wreaths, no trees. All wreaths, no trees. That's right. <laughs> oh, Schmidt. It's in his element. So you give it an eight, Julia? Yeah, I go with an eight on this one. What are you giving it, Tom? I'm going to give it another eight. That gives us a 7.167, which ties it with number one. Oh, how about that? Is it with the first one we watched? Yep. Well, that's crazy. Yes, Julia, you are up next. All right. Uh, Let me me clean my tabs up there. All right. Next one of four Christmas episodes total for tonight. Um, Season four, episode 11. LAXmas is the Christmas episode for this one. December 9th of 2014. Uh, brief synopsis for this one as the gang prepares to depart for the holidays they quickly find that they may be home alone when they quickly find they may be home alone when they're all trapped at the airport that doesn't even make sense does it no not at all okay as the gang prepares for the holidays, each to their different respective locations, we get a lovely Christmas episode that takes place in an airport. One of our favorite Christmas tropes. What's going to happen? Who's going to make it home? And is Jess going to make it over the ocean with her current boyfriend? All right. Um, okay. We've got a few guest stars in this one. Um, primarily Billy Eichner is in this episode as an LAX uh, counter agent, I guess is what you would call it. Uh, We also get a brief appearance by um, Curtis Armstrong, who plays Principal Foster, who you may or may not know from Nerds back in the 80s. Um, He pops up a few times, right, in the show, I want to say? Probably. He does, yes. Okay. 
Yeah. And then you get a very obscure <laughs> Mr. Belding as creepy, nasty Santa in the LAX bar. Um, he's not on there for very long, but you do see him. And then we get um, also Barry Bostwick, who is a very familiar face as a teeny tiny little guest star guest starring role in our um whatever they call the fancy club when you fly first class that i can't remember the name of now so a few guest the faces golden club one. or something golden club. yeah right um okay so this one is we open up during uh <laughs> just being a teacher um and it being the christmas season means school is having christmas type plays so we open up with a very dramatic scene um, of an elf and a reindeer and another character <laughs> uh, going to go, I think, take revenge on Santa for the way that Santa has bitten the leg off of a gingerbread man. Um, little stage performance, so he's, um, Jess is off stage making comments about it. Um, cutie McCute face, British guy who familiar with so I definitely was not watching the show in the fourth season because he was not familiar um is her current boyfriend um is British also works at school and he makes a last minute decision why don't you come to London with me for Christmas you can meet the family we could have a lot of fun have some laughs um well, I'll, so just say now, I'll just say this now while we're on it without giving it away I'm just gonna say we've never seen the mix-up that happens at the end and any other popular comedy no. about popular friends hanging out before i've got a problem with this one <laughs> um in general i'm assuming huh this episode in general the ending more than anything okay. there are funny parts uh the big surprise for me is i did not dislike billy eichner at all in this yeah i think this is maybe the only show I've watched where I enjoyed Billy Eichner as an actor. <laughs> uh, you you admitted he, he was decent in the Lion King remake. Oh yeah, but he was just a voice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, no, he did a great voice work. But usually his character, it's so it, abrasive. It exhausts me. Yeah. Like, I like you know, there are those. You know, in you know, in um, what we do in the shadows, there's that like energy vampire. But it's like Colin. negative. Colin. Yeah, Robinson. Colin. Colin. <laughs> I feel like when I watch Billy Eichner, he is that, but his like all of the energy he gets, he he gets from sucking it out of me. <laughs> okay, okay. Um, all right. So then so we've got Jess is gonna go to London. We've got um Nick and Winston are gonna go to Chicago for um Christmas and they're super excited to like party it up and kind of live those old days again. Um, Schmidt, where's Schmidt going? Long Island. Oh, he's going Yach. to Long Island. That's right. And is he going with Cece? I can't remember where Cece's going. Cece's going with him, right? She's going yeah, with I think, him. Okay. I think they're together. They're together. Oh, they because are. Because that's why that's why he got so offended that that old guy, what's his name, the actor, I can't. Was think hitting. Him. Was he's hitting like, on her. Yeah, well, he wanted to share her. Yeah, he did want to like a, what's that called? Indecent proposal sort of thing. Yeah. Only okay, that's right. I didn't, although, you know, so there are moments 
and I guess I like this about Schmidt and CC, where they are definitely not dating, but they still have that flirty energy, and he is still very much in love with her, and she is still in love with him without actually officially being in love with him. So where have we seen that before? I <laughs> no, right. I do like I so, do. I will say their their relationship is my favorite on the show. Yeah. So that's right. So flights are delayed, so that allows Schmidt and Cece, who are heading on a trip together as well, to kind of kill some time, right? So in the process of killing time, their whole storyline is, let's just go into the nice lounge and enjoy what it's like to feel rich for a little while. Um, so, Do y'all think of the lounges as rich people things? Yeah. I figure if you fly first class, you've got some money, right? Oh. But you don't have to fly first class to get them, like... Yeah. You just have to be, like frequent flyer or some other club membership oh. it's not first yeah class, yeah no plus, plus i've been in one of those lounges before i snuck in before they're not that nice they're not that they're, nice. i mean even there's monica the and chandler give it the whole sneak into it isn't it awfully nice vibe yeah they all make a big deal about it but like yeah you guys see what the and, double decker planes are gonna look like those look that's, really awful that's gonna be hell that is not going to that is not gonna work really close for me in there yeah, sorry. That's not going to work for me, y'all. Yeah. Um, so Schmidt and Cece are acting like they're, well, mostly Schmidt is acting like they're highfalutin and trying to blend in to these older, richy, rich people, which is where our guest star, um, Barry Bostwick, playing Robert, comes into play. He's super smarmy and sleazy. And at one point, propositions Schmidt to share Cece, and that's when Schmidt absolutely loses it and storms out saying you know basically he's scum and so we get to see a little how much he loves cc oh he totally Um, is uh jess in her process to go to london has bought these presents starts to freak out because her boyfriend sends her pictures of his estate and his family in London. And so she immediately has feelings of inadequacy and cannot go through with making the trip because they are going to hate her at first sight and they are way too good and she is way beneath them. Um, And so she starts freaking out. Um, This, of course, is where the group rallies to inform her, um, you know what, you're pretty gosh darn great and you need to just go. Um who really is the turning point, though, on her decisions is Billy Eichner, who plays an LAX counteragent. So when all of the flights start canceling, Jess does her most Jesse best to talk to him into allowing Nick and Winston to get higher up on the um, next in line list, right? I don't know if it's, it's not on call. Standby. It's sort of like standby, standby. yep. And the nicer she is, the more Billy Eichner bumps them down the list which made me laugh and then she said something really mean about his mother and he's like I hate my mother and then he moves them up the list um (laughs) but he ends up seeing her in the bar later where she is very mopey about not going to London and not Mm -hmm. being good enough and he's mopey about having to work at LAX on Christmas Eve and just like being newly single and all of that so they actually come to a common common ground and this works out really well because Billy Eichner works at the airport and is able to get Winston and Nick on first class to Chicago. Um, of course, we have a definite Regina Falange moment um, 
when Nick and Winston are sitting on this plane, they realize Jess is going home and she's going to be alone for Christmas because she has decided to not go to London. And so they get off their first class. Um, Schmidt and Cece meet them as well. And they stop Jess from leaving. They say, you can't spend Christmas alone. You can do this. You're a great person. You need to go to London. Just do the things. And so. Which is so dumb. I don't care. I'm sorry. I like my friends and all. But like, let's go through a couple of things here first. Okay. With this. They're on first, they're in first class, which is amazing. Yeah. For whatever reason, they get up and they leave. I'm assuming they have to get a different flight because they've already boarded. Yeah. So they're going to be in a crappy seat. And the chances, crappy seats later. The chances that you could get two, okay, you all have flown at the holidays. The chances that you're going to get two standby flight rebookings same day. Out of an airport like LAX? Yeah, not going to happen. Not going to happen. No. A better chance at winning the lottery. Yeah. Especially nowadays. Yeah, that part was wholly unbelievable to me. Well, and then not only that, Jess's plane is boarding. Yeah. And she's outside of the airport. They're going to get her through post 9-11 airport security yeah. while the plane is boarding. And the opening scene is just the, the airport is absolutely at LAX. Not, we're yeah. not talking a small little airport. We're talking one of the busiest airports in the world. Yeah. LAX at Christmas. LAX gives me so much agita. Well, and it's supposed to specifically good in this episode as well. Like the first scene you see when they get to the airport, it's just like a melee. What you would totally expect at Christmas time. It with is. all the delays and just people everywhere and yeah, all that. It's just awful. But it's so unbelievable and it's so annoying. You're not yeah. all going to go outside of, nobody is. Y'all travel. You are not going to get out of the airport. And then try to go back in in a busy airport like LAX. It's just not yeah. going to happen. But it does for this episode because we have to get our we have to get our group rallies together for Jess moment, which they give us. Um, this is a little bit what makes Jess kind of the worst, right? Is they're constantly reassuring her things and just like she just doesn't learn the lesson, right? Because they've taught mm-hmm. her this before and she just chooses not to listen. Um, but, you know, it is what it is. Um, there are definitely a few um, Love Actually references. I mean, it, this is a Christmas episode set in an airport, LAX specifically. Um, I did like the use of the song. God only knows. Yep. Uh, that was nice. And it's a trope you know, set a Christmas something or other at an airport during the holiday season. Um, So we get that for sure. I mean, I almost feel like shows feel like the need, shows feel the need to pay lip service to that trope. Um, And they do. And this one does. Uh, Any quotes, other feelings about this episode? Not my favorite. The end. Where she ends up in London and he's flown to LA. And it is oh. a friends moment. It's exactly the friends, Ross and Emily. 100%. Thing. Yeah, it is. 
How yeah, long look, did look, this guy stick talk, around? I think Sorry. he was like almost a season. Like he was on oh, the okay. long-term ones. But okay. I'm going to say this now. Like, because I know we have some wise A listeners who I love, who like to pick on me out of love. Oh, all these comedies far from one another. I know they do. But you know what? I forgive it more when it's a show I like. So yes, I am being pedantic tonight and pointing it out. Okay, <laughs> save the hate mail. Um, Let's see. Yeah, I liked Billy Eichner in this, to your point, Tom. I did too. I'm not typically a fan, but in this one, he made me laugh. I like Billy Eichner in general. Yeah, I know I did you do. like him at this one. He was so funny in this one, just in general. Yeah. Uh, I like how just immediately Jess goes up and tries to wish Billy Eichner a Merry Christmas. And he just says, next. And then, like you said, he keeps going. They keep moving down the list with everything she says nice. And the next person, like when Jess walks away, the next person that walks up just looks at her. No. <laughs> <laughs> Um, oh, it's just, yeah, the other thing, sir, you seem like a reasonable person. I'm not. <laughs> Penalizes her for saying thank you. Mm-hmm. Yep. And at the end, I mean, it's pretty heartwarming at the end, um, her and him, uh, when he's like, you know, give me a call if you're in town again. And we can commiserate together. Yeah. Uh, what are we going to rank this one? 4.5. Six. Five and five. Five? Five and five. <laughs> so 5.5 or just five? Just five. I was going to do five and a point, but I didn't want to. So that's 5.167. My problem with this one was the inconsistencies. Well, I my problem was it didn't look very Christmassy. They did a good job making LA feel very Christmassy at the first two, but stuck in an airport, you're limited. And the last yeah. one too. The next one's gonna feel Christmassy. Christmas yeah. Eve Eve. It's the day before the night before Christmas. I love you, man. <laughs> I love you, Bromigo. Christmas Eve is the 10th episode from season six. Um, and in this episode, Jess, we open up at, at Halloween. For their dressed as a cast of the people versus OJ Simpson. <laughs> yeah, not, which I thought was hilarious. They are not OJ Simpson trial people. They are the people. Schmidt says, I'm not. I don't remember. Anyway, he, he says, Schmidt says, I'm not Robert Shapiro. I'm John Travolta as Robert Shapiro. Uh, yeah, <laughs> that was it. Thank you. I didn't have that quote. Um, and they all say, Jess, look, you put too much pressure on Christmas. Let's not do it. And she says, you know, that would make a great proposal or whatever in hell. And they agree <laughs> instead, they're only going to do Secret Santa, one gift for each other. And yeah that's it so we fast forward and they remind her of the agreement and they do their secret santa and some some humor ensues 
everybody's like I said, everybody's only got one person and they're not allowed to know who they are. So she brings in Jess's boyfriend, who we need to intro. Robbie. Yes. Okay, I wonder if that was her boyfriend. There's no like kissy kissy handhold. Robbie is together. her longtime boy. Robbie is her longtime boyfriend. He's in here for a while. Okay. okay. He acted more like her assistant. And some people might things. recognize him as the IT guy on the office. Yes. He is. It's Nelson good. Franklin plays Robbie. And, and I think uh, really... Megan Fox plays Reagan. And right. And the long-term girlfriend that Nick has right now is Reagan. Um, so, so and Schmidt and Cece this... are married. Surprise, surprise. Wasn't wasn't Nelson Franklin was also in Veep. Yeah, he was in a bunch of stuff. The Office, Blackish. Abby's. He's like Heardrick Baker. He appears in like every comedy. Yeah. He really does, and he has he has decent arcs with a lot of them. But I will say that this episode established that Nick clearly only likes to date either strippers or women who live with him. Yeah. Okay. Guess he's lazy. He's definitely lazy. By this time, he has passed the bar. He what? They own the. He passed the bar exam. Oh, and did he? he? And he and Schmidt now own the bar that they're in, right? Nice. They do own the bar because Schmidt gives him crap about the receipts, and he's like, "They're due Friday." He's like, "Yeah," which is why I'm doing them today do them on friday do them today winston is waiting for a package and he talks to schmidt he's like schmidt did, he looks up tracking that was pretty funny he didn't know he could track a package online and schmidt's like you can just go track it and so he goes online and he had the tracking number memorized but didn't know that he could track the package <laughs> which is what i think the kind of thing that anthony hates about winston <laughs> yes and that's why i hate about this tv show like come on Come on. It's the 21st century. You're four or five adults living together. Come on. You know how to track a package online. So I'm sorry. I'm sorry. That was just like dumb. So dumb. Dumb. So he he sees that the package was the package he's got a gift for Cece. That's his secret Santa. And Schmidt made a comment earlier that Schmidt and Cece aren't trading gifts. So whoever gets something for, for Cece, it's got to be good, which is also a really stupid trope where couples try not to get each other Christmas gifts. It annoys me yeah. because you all, you always want to do something, at least something small for the person you love, even if you don't have a lot to offer. Yeah. Uh, so Schmidt, or uh, Winston's looking on the computer and he, and he sees 9.18 refused, 9.18 a.m. refused delivery. Did you refuse a package to retired Rear Admiral Jay Garajaru? <laughs> Schmidt just, listen to what you just asked. Of course I did. And then we learned that this is one of Winston's numerous aliases he has. <laughs> I love Winston so much. And I, I do like, like how, how aggressive Schmidt is with everything he says. Everything. He is, yeah. He is. <laughs> Got a lot of passion and the one thing i like about oh. this conversation as they're going he's like we don't have a c you know i don't have a gift for cc and he says my cc can't go giftless <laughs> winston says 
I think of her, I think of her as our CC, which is an ongoing thing about like CC and Winston's relationship and how Schmidt won't admit that it's weird to him, but it is. Um, so Schmidt and Winston track down the UPS driver and get thoroughly rejected and are not able to get what they need or get thoroughly, get their, uh, their plan gets shot down by the driver. They're not able to get CeCe's gift, and so they have to go to the store, and they're thinking, oh, this is going to be a great experience. And then what does Winston want to get CeCe? Beanbag chair. What a grown adult is going to buy another grown grown adult a a beanbag chair? Winston is going to buy CeCe a beanbag chair because they have all of these, and it's super cute. They have all of these inside jokes born out of these tiny moments, and I think it's great. That's funny, but a beanbag chair is a large item for people with a small house in the LA area. And quite but honestly, a blanket is a nicer I can gift. Suspend. That, no, blanket, it's not. Blankets it's a are gifts. Gift. Blankets are gifts you get for people you don't know. Like That's Anthony, right. if I, I sent you a, if I, I sent you a throw for Christmas, you know your feelings would be hurt. Unless it has your so, face on it. Well, that's a given. Um, Everybody wants not, a blanket with my face. Do not send a throw with your face on it. I already have one of those, courtesy of my sister. Oh, you have a, your sister gave a picture of my face. She made you a throw with Tom's face on it. No, she did the with podcast her. art as a blanket for. Oh, that was awesome. My birthday mm-hmm. last year. So it's like you're snuggling all three of your us, uh, snuggling yourself, Julia and Tom. <laughs> it's an but the beanbag chair every night here. But the beanbag chair they're doing it that he pulls out is two hundred forty nine dollars, which is insane. There so are they, some because it's brick and mortar. Saw, yeah, that's the whole thing. Right. But I'm on your side. They go into the store and they're like, this is amazing. I am on your side with this one, Tom. I didn't like this, but I, I, you know, there are really nice, expensive beanbag chairs out there. <laughs> but that one wasn't one of them. Yeah. That one looked it cheap. Did. I mean. But he ends yeah. up getting her a beanbag chair. Um, Jess decides to fly Reagan back. Reagan is too busy at her job Reagan will later move in with Nick in the apartment which I think is really weird mm-hmm. that you and your girlfriend would live in the apartment but I mean that's a, again a trope we've seen on a lot of these shows yeah, it's just weird so anyway um, Winston so Jess is going to get bring Reagan back they're going to have Robbie do all the wrapping and labeling of the presents so nobody knows who their secret Santa was, which I thought was kind of cute, except Robbie gets left out of the gifts. Which this is why mean. Robbie feels like the assistant in this episode. He does. And I thought he was. was like, Robbie oh, gets he's just really friend. mistreated. He does. Robbie gets and really mistreated. he's the mistreated. one that comes through in the biggest way. He does, especially, well, and then, yeah. So I'll let you tell that part. But um, they get together and they're doing their gifts. And Nick gives Schmidt a cashmere sweater. Socks. What's he call it? Yeah, it's socks. Oh, cashmere Cashmere socks. Cashmere socks. And and Schmidt says, I don't know why I'm finding the image of you mispronouncing the word cashmere in a store to be so joyful. And Nick says, (laughs) cashmere. So, what else then? Cece drew Winston's name 
and she gave him was it like a a check made out to his cell phone company. That's right. That's right. And hey, it's hey, another insight. I'm appreciating that nowadays with inflation. <laughs> but Schmidt also drew Winston's name and got Winston a hamster. That's right. Which is also a weird gift. But that means somebody was left out. Jess was intoxicated and didn't put her own name down. She put Winston in twice. And so Winston gives Jess the hamster. So now she has a pet. I really love the next scene, how sweet Nick is, but also how really creepy it is. When, was that all the gifts? Yes, that's all the gifts. What is, yeah, Nick got Reagan. Yeah, that's all of them. But yeah, so I, I did like relate how, to Jess here, which shoot me for saying that that she had this amazing gift for Nick and had trouble keeping it a secret. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, Nick was such a jerk. He kept saying he was going to go, and she's like, "No, you can't go. Just stay home. Don't go to Seattle. Don't go to Seattle." And uh, he launches into a hole. You've never appreciated. But he gets really mad at her and is. You know, I'm trying my best here, Jess. I'm doing what I can. And you, you know, nothing's ever good enough for you. Yeah. And she's like, fine, I'm, I'm your secret Santa and I'm flying Reagan here. You ruined it, you big jerk. And he says, so this is what immediately feeling bad for something feels like. And I thought, oh, I felt that so many times. (laughs) But then the next morning for something, it's weird, isn't it? But the next morning, <laughs> Nick sneaks into her room because she talked about how her dad used to wake her up with Coco. Mm-hmm. Which is father of the year stuff right there. That is. It is. And he opens the door and he says, oh, you're, you're awake. Great. She says, Nick, how often do you sneak into my room in the middle of the night? He said, uh, that you're awake? Uh, this is a first. <laughs> <laughs> he brings her hot cocoa which is what her dad did, and he apologizes. Mm-hmm. Um, and his line here is really inappropriate and creepy. He says, even though I knew Reagan was coming, when I saw her, I felt like I felt like it was Christmas morning and I was 10, but a 10-year-old about to have sex with Santa. <laughs> and, he said, and it was, uh, yeah, this is getting weird. <laughs> <laughs> And then he tells her he has a surprise. And to put a bra on. Yeah, yeah. He tells her she's leaving. Uh, put a bra on. They go outside. And what does Robbie do for Jess? Okay. Earlier in the episode, she had mentioned another very Christmassy, Christmassy thing that she's used to is Darlene Love being on in the background at Christmas time. And so what did Robbie do? But is it like a yoga connection, right? Didn't he say he was in yoga with her? Or he something? took hot yoga. Hot with, yoga with, with Darlene Love. Love. And so there is a full production out in the streets. Um, it is all decorated for Christmas. A choir rolls up in there, starts singing, and Darlene Love comes out and is also singing. And then all the elves from the bar or that were in the bar earlier. Um, join in as well and it's just really a party in the streets and Megan Fox is even like up on the rooftops uh, (laughs) letting loose paper shavings uh, for quote snow right Um, so it's sweet 
It's super, super sweet. She says, how much longer do I have to keep doing this? I'm almost out of yeah. litter. <laughs> and red. Nick said, it's just shattered, shattered receipts. The receipts he was working on, which was kind of funny. <laughs> um, there was one other. F- yeah, I like this one. It's really unbelievable, but it's kind of the disbelief you can set aside because it's Christmas. Yep. And it's tropey as well, you know, but it didn't bother me. This is my least favorite. Wow, really? Okay, I did like one thing Nick said, too, before we go into that. I really liked how he talked about how tall all the elves were. (laughs) And he's like, I like to imagine they work at the North Pole for giants. <laughs> <laughs> oh gosh. Anthony, your tats look really, really cool. Thank you. Oh, they do. Doesn't that look awesome? It does look awesome. You're really getting there on the sleeve, aren't you? Well, yeah. I dig it. All right, so what are you gonna rank this one? And for me? 3.5. Uh, seven and a half. Six. It gives us a 5.167. 5.67. Is this our lowest? No, season four was the lowest. Can you give us the ranking order? Yep, so season one and season two, the 23rd and Santa are tied at number one, a 7.167. Season six, Christmas Eve Eve is... Number two at five point six seven, and season four LAX Miss is number three at five point one six seven. Okay, I think that's how I would probably rank them. Sure, that works. Let us know what you think about a few different things. You can go to linktree.com/tisthepodcast and find all of our social media outlets. Do you like New Girl? Did you like New Girl Christmas episodes? Was anything else that Anthony said during the episode blatantly wrong on its face? Let us know at our on our Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, or Facebook group, or Reddit. And if you like this content and you like hearing Anthony and Julia and want more of them, you can hear them at our Patreon. You can go to tisthepodcast.com slash Patreon or on our link tree. And for as little as a dollar a month, you get extra content throughout the year. How are those coming? Uh, share the images in the group. In Patreon, you can see an image. You can see a, a rendered image of what our five-year anniversary "Tis the Podcast" handmade mugs are going to look like. I'm really excited. How's that Space Force episode coming? I have not had time to edit. <laughs> it has been insane, but it's coming. I have two edit two podcasts two episodes for my other podcast space force and this to edit and i'm gonna try to get caught up this week so my childhood hero y'all just started following me on twitter who hulk hogan you got rosie and bar to follow you no mcruff the crown dog we went two different ways with (laughs) neither of them were good no (laughs) mcruff the crime dog that's super cool on twitter yeah, the official account. I love it. What'd you do to get that happen? <laughs> I think I liked one of their posts and he started following me and I'm all for it. Wow. So McG- McGruff the Crime Dog, if you're listening and want to <laughs> start her show, hit us up on any of the social <laughs> medias that Tom just mentioned. 
<laughs> Dude, I'm gonna straight up measure them, me- message them. But tell them Hold they on. can only come on if it's the guy donning the crime dog costume. <laughs> So he's talking to us with the mouth the whole night. Amazing. <laughs> that would be so fun. Come on. That would be amazing. <laughs> it really would be. Let's see that. Uh, what do we have coming up, Julia? Um, are we doing Fat Man next week? We are doing Fat Man next week. <laughs> I'm already sick <laughs> next week. I'm I'm ill. I don't think I'm gonna be able to join you. I am positively ill. Um yeah, so we're doing Fat Man next week, which we were going to do earlier in the year. It got bumped. So for all of you fans who've just been waiting and waiting for us to cover Mel Gibson and Fat Man, the time has uh, time has finally come. Uh, unless we all come down with a terrible case of diverticulitis before next Monday and Tuesday and, you know, it doesn't happen. <laughs> it's going to happen, gonna happen, y'all, and it's going to be it's glorious. <laughs> diverticulitis is absolutely terrible. It's an awful, yes. awful experience. Yeah. Um, but I still think it would probably be rather have diverticulitis than watch the Fat Man again. The week after Fat Man, want to work ahead, and you might want to because we are tiptoeing into TV season again as well. Um, is the TV special, the Smurfs Christmas special from 1982? And it's actually... Uh, we got a few solid weeks of some very 80s con. The week after that, we'll be covering Alvin and the Chipmunks, a chipmunk Christmas from 81. Um, so good stuff coming up. Great stuff following after that. I'm not going to mention now, so you can come back next week to figure out what good can stuff. At least tease who's joining us. Oh, we've got some friends coming in the future. We've got Mike Westfall from uh, Advent Calendar House podcast that will be coming in the next month or so. Also, Ron Hogan, aka President Hot Dog from Filmstrip Podcast will be coming as well in the next few weeks. Pretty excited. Um, We have some really cool friends and they like to come on the podcast. So you're going to get to hear some new voices. You're going to hear a lot of voices in our five-year anniversary special. Gosh, five years, y'all. Five years. Which is coming up. Also coming up, y'all, we only have 4,512 hours until Christmas. That's 188 days, y'all. It's 26 weeks. That's an official halfway week point. This is crazy. Well, y'all, you'll have just we are officially past halfway to Christmas because our Leon Day episode dropped this last fr- Saturday in your main oh, feed. Nice. So check it out if you haven't yet. There we go. Almost there. Bye. Hey, girl. What you doing? Hey, girl. Where you going? You get down and make a friend. She's going to turn, turn, turn it around.
what you're doing.